Hello to all of my faithful Wednesday listeners, and thank you for accepting this invitation to join in our Bible study for February 16th, 2022. Please feel free to share this Bible study with your family, friends, and associates, because I truly believe whenever God's Word is sent out, it never returns empty. This Bible study and reflection podcast journey began March 18th, 2020, just after COVID shut down in-person gatherings. At the time, I was leading an in-person Bible study on Wednesday evenings at St. Paul's Lutheran Church on the corner of Bull and Blanding Street in Columbia, South Carolina. My podcast was and still is distributed to all of the members of our church, but it has also grown to include a lot of folks outside of our church membership. I am truly humbled to be able to share my love of Jesus and God's Word with so many faithful followers. This is a wonderful testimony to the gospel and proof that it cannot be stopped and may even point to the fact in times like the pandemic we have and are experiencing, we need God's Word more than ever. Now let us begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father and most gracious God, as we abide in your word today, please open our hearts and minds and ears to your loving kindness and help mold us to your humble service. Help us, Lord, to concentrate on doing your will and listening to your commands as opposed to listening to ourselves and doing our will. We ask this in your Son's name. Amen. A little less than a year ago, I did a Bible study and reflection on something I titled, See and Take. Today's Bible study and reflection I have titled, Choice, Test, Sacrifice. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in that order, but that, that's the lens we're going to look through today. Now let's begin in the book of Genesis, second chapter. It's after the end of the creation story, and it's the last chapter before the chapter known as the fall. Our first reading comes from Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 17. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kind of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters, the name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. 
The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. It's important to note in verse 9 that God had planted in the center of the garden a tree of life and also a tree of knowing good and evil, or as translated in ancient Hebrew, the tree of knowing good and bad. So if you will imagine, you've been told you can eat from any tree of the garden except the tree of knowing good and bad. If the tree of life was in the center of the garden, it had to be close to the tree of knowing good and bad because they were both in the center. My point here is you would have to pass by one to get to the other. The test in this case would be what choice are you going to make and are you willing to pay the price? The price or sacrifice, if you will, would not have been enjoying the fruit of the tree of knowing good and bad. Okay, so I need to let you know a common misperception we have is that the fruit from the tree was an apple. Spoiler alert. The Bible does not say it was an apple tree. The Hebrew word used in that verse is a generic word for fruit in both biblical and modern Hebrew. So the bottom line is we don't know what species of tree it was. So we don't know what the fruit was, but we know it was forbidden. God had already told them what the cost would be. The cost would be death as opposed to the original intent of eternal life ruling over all the plants and all the animals that God had created. Now we move into the fall narrative, and we clearly see that Eve was tested by the serpent, made a choice, and as a result, things started going downhill for humanity. Here's the reading from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I hear you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? 
Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. I believe something very important to note here is God asked four questions. One, where are you? Two, who told you that you were naked? Three, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And four, what is this you have done? Now, some scholars and commentators believe this may have been humanity's missed chance at repentance. Instead of owning up to their disobedience and asking for forgiveness, what did they do? They started playing the blame game. Adam blamed the woman, and then he doubled down and blamed God because God had put the woman there. Then the woman blamed the serpent, and as a result, humanity has lived in a broken state ever since. God originally set humanity in the most beautiful garden imaginable, and when they were tempted, they caved. What would that look like? They obviously needed nothing short of a Savior. Even though it is availed and was probably difficult for the original readers to understand God's offer, what is referred to quite often as the first gospel proclamation happened right after the fall. This hope is sandwiched in between God's curse on the serpent, or snake if you will, and his warning that women will have difficulty in conception, and finally, God cursed the ground in order to make it very difficult for man to till the soil. The promise and the hope comes in verse 15 of chapter 3. And here is that reading. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This is God speaking to the serpent and putting a curse on him. I encourage you to read chapter 12 in the book of Revelation. This verse that I'm going to read next is the last verse in the chapter. Chapter 12 in Revelation. It hyperlinks back to the first gospel proclamation in the book of Genesis that you just heard. And here's a reading from Revelation. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Now, I know you remember the tagline from the folks at Bible Project. The Bible is one unified story that leads to Jesus. This is just another wonderful example of the truth in that statement. Now, I would love to take a deeper dive today, but time will not permit. There are so many stories in the Bible of people seeing something and thinking their actions will lead to good, but just the opposite occurs. That's what happens when we think God, we thank God occasionally during good times and ask him to just stand by and we'll call you when we need you. What we really need is a constant dialogue with God. We call that prayer, in which we praise him and thank him for all he's done and created and for all he is doing and what he continues to create.
We need the same thing Adam and Eve needed, a Savior to crush the serpent's head. Metaphorically, we pass the same trees and have to make the same decisions that Adam and Eve did. We do that every day. Thanks be to God for our Savior, Jesus Christ. For a deeper dive into biblical characters that thought they could take a situation and make it better on their own, look into the following stories. Number one, the story of Moses killing the Egyptian can be read in Exodus chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. In the verses following, he was asked, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Wonderful question. Number two, in the book of Genesis, God had promised a child to Abraham and Sarah. Now, as you remember, they were old. They became impatient and decided to take matters into their own hands, literally. This account and what resulted can be discovered in Genesis chapter 16. And third, in Genesis 26, Isaac, if you'll remember, he's Abraham and Sarah's son, is guilty of lying to the Philistines in order to save himself. He told the king and his men that Rebekah, his wife, was his sister because he was worried if they thought she was his wife, they would kill him so they could have her. All right, now bounce back to Genesis 12 when Abraham and his wife traveled to Egypt due to a famine in Canaan. He told Pharaoh that she was his sister. The exact same thing that Isaac did, like father, like son. These accounts and so many others are not just found in the Old Testament. There are many accounts where we see the disciples are trying to take things in their own hands. Remember when Peter drew his sword in the Garden of Gethsemane and cut off the centurion's ear. And let's not forget Judas, who took things into his own hands, thinking he would get Jesus to up his game and do battle with the Romans and the ruling religious parties at the time. There are so many more, and I encourage you to dig deeper. And I promise you it will help you grow into our church's vision of learning, loving, living God's Word. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Creator, we thank you for your forgiveness and grace in times of our transgressions. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who delighted in your will even to death, so that we may know your will for us through him. In his name we pray. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, serve the Lord.